podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. We're called Whistle, and this is true. We love to do the things that we're not supposed to do. We don't need robbing, stealing, or mugging. This is The Whistleblowers, and I'm Martin Gritton, in the middle of what you could call a festive fixture pileup. Um, we've got a second round of Premier League matches tonight and we take a look at what's gone on over the last busy week of top-end football and off-pitch nonsense. Uh, joining me tonight, I'm delighted to say, is uh, author, producer, QPR supporter and uh, whistleblower regular almost, would you say, Dan? Vaguely, yes. Dan Telfer. Hello. Thanks for coming along, Dan. That's all right. Thank you. Good to have you here. I'm going to. Uh, I'm just going to introduce the, uh, our other guest, another fine guest returning for his second stint, a man from the world of music who manages a fine roster of trendy electronic musicians. Would you say, Gareth? Uh, perhaps. Well, I should say that. And bands including Gold Panda, Luke Abbott, Frankie and the Heartstrings, all on the Wichita label. Uh, Gareth Dobson. Hi. Thanks for having me back. It's a pleasure. Pleasure. Uh, also, a, a, a fierce Spurs fan. Definitely a Spurs fan. Yeah, very Not much. Sure so, well, let's come back to that in a second. Um, just want to uh, 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 let you guys know that if you sign up and deposit up to fifty pounds, uh, Labricks will put the same amount into your account, giving you up to fifty pounds worth of free bets, and you can get that at bet.whistleblowers.net. So, uh, yeah, let's come back to Spurs. Uh, well, let's start on Spurs. Did you watch? Well, you, you weren't at the, any of the games over the over the weekend, or, or? Uh, I wasn't. I watched the. Uh, the Spurs v Stoke game which was a, a pretty enjoyable romp a thumping it was a thumping I mean our fourth consecutive defeat of them by four goals yes which is quite rare yeah that was that's a great well I didn't expect I, I think a lot of people who you know well the clean sheet was one thing that Lloris is, is kind of desperate for at the minute I think, yeah he's not it? had one for I think nine games yeah. or it's a run but it was actually quite a a sticky first half it was it was quite close yeah and uh you know we got a goal uh off uh um Shawcross, which was uh very uh giving of him yes and then but in the, in the second is. half they uh just made this ridiculous decision to just come at spurs and they just got torn apart and every time they conceded it just it was like a kid running into a brick wall they just stood up looked confused <laughs> and tried to do it again um, but it was nice, you know, Spurs have struggled at home yeah. um, at Wembley this year. They've struggled to break teams down and score in the first half. So, uh, you know, getting that done was, uh, that was quite a big deal. You can see a lot of pressure comes off Spurs when they score the first goal. Absolutely. It seems to, it kind of lifts that. Because there is that kind of veil of expectation, isn't there, uh, being at Wembley and being at those those grounds. It's, yeah, and you know. we, we've had a lot of, we've played a lot of sort of doughty teams who have come up and have set up and, yeah. you know, look to hit us on the counter. And our game is better when we're the ones who are breaking quickly and we don't, you know, when Ericsson and Ali especially aren't on top form, I, I, you know, we struggled to kind of, you know, pick those locks. Yeah. We started playing uh, Son more regularly and he's yeah, really he was helped. tremendous, wasn't he? I mean, he was, yeah, he was the best player yeah. at the weekend. And, you know, also with the return of Lamella, it might be a bit brighter. Yeah, no, forwards. absolutely. And um, uh, Dan, were you, were you at any games this weekend? Was it, where did uh, you go away? Did I go this weekend? Yes. It feels yeah, like a long time ago, doesn't it? Yeah, instantly oh, forgettable. Yes, that's yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going on, needs three. Yep. So, uh, almost... Almost Came up with one of our brilliant late uh, late draws from two 0 down. Mm. We we got a goal back 
uh, in about the 90th minute Which and then, then almost equalised and then let Leeds score. And your goal was a bit of a goalkeeping travesty. Was super yeah, that was bizarre. Actually, yeah. Talk us through that for anyone that doesn't know about what happened. Yeah, it was pretty much, the game was pretty much over. Leeds were, Leeds were 2-0 up and fully deserved their win. They, they were much better than us. Uh, well, first half was quite even, but second half much better than us. Um, and yeah, we didn't really look like we were threatening and then we had a corner and it bounced out it was at least 40 yards out and Pavel Szczoek, our uh, Polish winger, who's playing right back at the moment. Um, of course. Just sort of, obviously. <laughs> he, he just uh, lobbed it back in and we all just went, oh God, that's, that was, that's not great. And then the goalie, sort of, their German goalie came for it, then didn't come for it, and then let it bounce in front of him and then it, then it bounced in. Yeah, that was really, really... Was pretty bad. Yeah, I, I was shoddy. with uh, my f- uh, mutual friend of ours, Alec, who is a big Leeds fan, yep. and um, he's before the game, and he of said, "Of course, yes." Yeah, he wow. said, he, "He said to me pretty much." We well, said two things. He said one thing was that their goalie, their German goalie, was was awful and prone to a lot of mistakes, which is absolutely right. Yeah. And he said Kimo Roof was a waste of space, and we never do it. We you know, wasn't going to make it as a yeah. Leeds player anymore, and he scored a hat trick. So yeah, you know, it's fifty fifty. Well, him, so. you know that's yeah, that's a good win for him. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm interested. I mean, I know we we were mainly talking about Premier League. Uh, and, and we're talking about two clubs that had Premier League stature for many, many years, or certainly top flight stature. Um, how are Leeds shaping up? I know that, uh, what did you think of them? Because there's, there's been a lot of talk about them. I know the, the troubles that QPR have had, we can come back to them in a moment. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think Leeds were, they were okay. They were, we were slightly better than them. First half, second yeah. half, they were, they were better than us. And then they haven't really got a forward at the moment. Their, their one forward went off injured after about 20 minutes. So they haven't really got a striker since they sold um, Wood. Wood to Burnley. Mm. Um, that's a that's a weakness. And the goalie, they sold Rob Green because they wanted someone that could play football. Uh, play football. Yeah, who could kick the ball, which Rob Green mm. can't. Um, and uh, and they've got someone who can kick the ball, but he just can't use his hands. So what they need is someone who could do both those things. Yeah, well, I mean, what they, good, what they do have, they have an, an enigmatic manager. They have a. Um, Holloway, obviously, I don't want to dwell too much on him, but on the subject of managers, uh, this weekend was a, there was a glut of action across the teams, particularly in the top six, uh, starting with what seems like forever ago uh, with Pep v Jose once again, um, two sides of the same coin. I think coin. we were kind of saying earlier on, Gareth, what was your uh, what was your take I mean, on they're, that? They're, I think the antithesis between the two comes from the fact that they are very similar managers yeah. in terms of their uh, their sense of self hmm. um, they're obviously very confident in their own abilities yes. and fairly trenchant in their beliefs about how you know their their tactics work and and and, and the best way to to win football games um, and you know it's 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 been endless spats since they were both managers in in the league and I, I don't think that's going to change yeah whatever depends no matter what country they're in no <laughs> quite and it's <laughs> But it was interesting, wasn't it? Because I thought, you know, I was, oh, you know, the, the, the handshake at the end of the game is really important these days, yeah, especially yeah. especially for Mark Hughes. And um, <laughs> it just slags off a manager for ninety minutes, then goes, oh, "Come on, shake my hand." Yeah. Um, but but they they didn't they didn't shake hands. They hugged. You know, it was a very cordial hug. Yeah. So I couldn't believe it. The next. Do you think it was a cordial hug? Or do you think it was more of that kind cordial. of Godfather hug where they pulled maybe. the other guy close in yeah, and some words were Fredo. whispered? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but don't, but this is the this is the other thing that in the modern era of social media where everyone who'll like some you know a cool account will go oh let's pull a picture of them both when they were at Barcelona or let's look at what they were when you know these guys know each other they go way back and stuff yeah but they're very different people from from back then and they've mm-hmm. become bitter and twisted in their own ways yeah. you know and or or just. You know, they, stoical and they both quite, strike me as two of the more obsessive managers as well. Yeah, obsessive yeah. is the word, isn't it? Yeah. I, I'm not entirely sure either of them has, has have much beyond their football uh, football love. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, uh, Pep's infamous for how much time he puts into tactics and being a, a scholar of football. And I think uh, Mourinho is more of that guy who just sits in a darkened corner stewing <laughs> yeah. over, well, over his perceived looks, wrongs. That's how it looks like his teams play as yeah. well. They're kind of just this paranoid... Um, defensive like let's not show any of our ability let's keep our cards glued to our chest but in doing so we've just alienated even our own fans you know that are trying to enjoy particularly the ethos of Man United that's you know doesn't buy into that I mean it's a really interesting game because because um, United had a, a fairly attacking looking lineup, but Mourinho is so obsessed with being everything that Guardiola isn't that yeah. that attacking lineup became a defensive lineup because because he wanted. Yeah. I'm sure it's because he wanted to be different. He wanted to, and, and he wanted to win doing it in his way, which was. I don't, I'd like he would love. I'm sure to have 10 percent possession against a Pep Guardiola team and win one nil, and then he can go into the into the press conference afterwards and show that he's an absolute genius. I'm sure that's what happened, yes. and it didn't happen, you know. And he was furious about it because all he could talk about was how lucky City's goals were. And to an extent, he's right, because those weren't the kind of goals that City this scored. Is, this is true. He had a point. You know, he, and- he did have, a, he did have a, a kind of a point. Like They weren't that lucky. But, you know, it's like it, what it is, is it's not scoring goals how City would normally score goals. So he's saying, yeah. my plan worked. It's just that we had a couple of unlucky deflections or bad clearances. Yeah. But the, and therefore it didn't. Which kind of speaks to the manager, which is kind of... Uh, it would have been fine, except the humans messed it up. And ignoring the fact robots. that Rashford was down to a mistake as well. Yeah. So, you know. But it, it, it's that Trump-esque self-belief, that narcissism, that kind of, that's just driving home whatever he thinks. He'll make it fit. He'll bang the, you know, the round peg in a square hole just to say, well, do you know what? This this is I, particularly like, so well, let's come on to the, the tunnel. That's a perfect example of him being a complete hypocrite about how to gloat, how to come across. I mean, even the time where, Dan, you, you were saying there, the handshake, the hug. Didn't he do it with Liverpool when he turned around and, and, and mouthed the hush, you know, put his fingers to his lips and then turned around and shakes Klopp's hand then. Yeah. And you're like going, he doesn't give a damn yeah, about yeah. what the other manager, he's just about how this comes across for him. You oh, know, totally. he's, he's a huge hypocrite. And I, I was reading the... Uh, so David Squires, the Guardian oh, cartoonist, and yes. he made he made the great uh, point where uh, you know I think he had um, Mourinho saying, "How dare you celebrate just meters <laughs> where I did my forty yard <laughs> knee slide <laughs> when I was Porto manager?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean it's it's he, he, well, he knows say what to do, he doesn't he? He's like yeah. he's like he's, the the point was the the whole point of of that game was United did not play well didn't put City under any no. pressure. It in no way deserved to win the game. City might have scored a couple of goals that, that weren't lucky, weren't, weren't we lucky were not brilliant promise. goals, you know, they yeah. weren't really from their own endeavour, you know, from set pieces, unusual for them. So he had to change the narrative. 
And yeah. so he, so he, so he, he went, the music's a bit loud, I'll go and create a story. I, I'm absolutely I, convinced that that's you know, what's happening. But that I, when I, I, I was at Lincoln, I, well, I played against Lincoln many times, and uh, we always used to go in the changing rooms, and the changing rooms were red hot. They were sweltering. And they were like, a, they'd all been painted grey. So we assumed that this was like some psychological thing. We're like going, they just turn the heating up and they're trying to make us feel, you know. And it was, it was stifling. It was horrible. And then they also put their stereo so you could hear their music through yours because it was one of these kind of suspended ceilings. Yep. So it was, it was horrible. It was a horrible place to go. The gray, and the grey thing was quite funny because we were like going, oh, it's psychological. And then I signed for Lincoln after and I was like, yeah, the way you guys do all that. And they were like, what are you talking about? They were like, literally didn't have no idea. But That's yeah, brilliant. teams come and have this kind of, because it was a horrible place. To, I mean, the admittedly, we had this thing, we had an air raid that, like uh, this air raid siren that the fans would do. And it would literally be like, it's a knockout. And everyone, all our players would run up, uh, coming up from the back. And they're all, I was like, the fourth shortest player and I'm 6'2 six, six, nearly 6'3 six, we had 6'7 six, 6'5 six, six, and we would just launch the ball we had a lad that could throw the ball from one side of the pitch to the other and we would just throw it in like a like a extra set and just get get head on it and we would score like 80% of these things it was horrible I mean it's not the idea of football of me growing up going I want to be a, you know I want to get the ball down and watch Messi or, you know obviously not in my childhood or John Barnes or whatever but then just becoming this kind of head on a stick. You didn't have Francis playing for you, did you? He was the Birmingham Simon. lad, six seven. Oh, Kevin yeah, Francis! Kevin I Francis. played against him when he was at Exeter, and but he was so he was like so cumbersome and old. It was like kind of you know the Tin Man just kind of seizing up. He couldn't do it because he was at Stockport. He was up front with Priest. Those That's two right. were. Mm. But, um, but the yeah, original just, Peter Crouch. Yeah, no, he was. He was, and he was. You know, he was. He was a good footballer as well. I, think, I um, thank both of you for not mentioning that Stockport. Uh, not keep you out the FA Cup in the third round when they're in the oh, third division with gone, Kevin Francis it? up front thanks for not bringing that up no worries um, but I, it was an interesting we'll story like- <laughs> similar thing I, was, I just read, I read uh, unfortunately Harry Redknapp's autobiography at one of them he's five or six now um, and he talked about he was manager of West Ham and he found Sam Hammam in the away dressing room right. when they were playing Wimbledon yeah. and they, they were and Sam Hammam was writing stuff oh, on I the wall story, about yeah. Vinnie Jones and Mick Harford and like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know just filthy stuff and yeah. Harry Redknapp walked in and went what, what are you doing and he went no they, Sam Man went this is disgusting this is, what have you, I can't believe <laughs> you've written this stuff on the wall this. and he's holding the pen in his hand <laughs> while he's saying it and Harry Redknapp said he tried to get the police to come and take him away yeah, yeah. but like the players were turning up so they went in and went what is this you know just, just to rile them up he was way of riling them up That's yeah it's amazing phenomenal. Yeah. Well, going back that. to the the, the boombox thing that was. <laughs> That was a Wimbledon uh, classic. They were one of the ones who, who brought in when they were, you know, there riling the establishment in the eighties. That was one of their chosen methods of. Uh, yeah, but I, but this the, the other thing as well was I think it was music that jarred with people because I also went in the when I signed for Lincoln. I'd loved it. I, I thought this was hilarious because we created this kind of fortress, and I was like places that I'd always hated to go, and all of a sudden I was part of the establishment. But the, going through their CD, it was like this meager CD collection. It was like really <laughs> random. <laughs> like craft work we had Prince Little Red Corvette on the single and I was like going where have all this because these are not you know there's not Funky House one or you know it wasn't like kind of this Ministry of Sound anthem that you would expect to hear or you know Best I don't know, Ballet. you know any of these mm. predictable kind of things it was just these random selection of singles like all in like one of those six sync CD player things that would just so rotate. probably what had ever been grabbed from Save the Children that afternoon yeah or like the yeah. Woolworths 
bargain bin. Oh, yeah. But anyway, I, I feel like we're kind of. But it's, but but just going back to it, <laughs> isn't it weird that that there's only two sort of vaguely food fight things that we know about? Yes. Have happened, and they're both in the same old traffic. Do you know that tunnel? That tunnel's a proper bottleneck. It's, it's, uh, they did the whole, it was almost like kind of a, a, you know, like the scene of a a terrorist attack where the Daily Mail had done this kind of, and then this happened, and then that was when the milk was thrown. And, um, but the tunnel does, it's one of these strange ones that does bottleneck because the players come out the corner at Old Trafford, and then, and that's where the kind of they are funneled in, and then it's a really thin tunnel, and then goes through to an area. So they have this area where you you, you mingle, and it's um and you saw some of the players. I think there was pictures of the players kind of getting on, all right. But um, I think you know I, I I quite like the idea that Rojo, it, like as rash as he is going into challenges, you would want him being the first man up yeah. to defend you. You know, his shirt, kind of, shirt off. Him and Edison, it, like you know, again, yin and yang, yeah. you know, just canceling each other out. Oh, the other thing is, yeah, you. Would- Talking about uh, you know, Pizza Gate, I mean that seems quite parochial by yeah. by comparison to mm. the reports that came out yeah. over the weekend. That was you know bit a bit bit of food thrown about. This one seemed really quite. I take yeah, to getting quite vindictive. I take to getting cut with a plastic bottle is the interesting one. Yeah, like going, well, they buy that. <laughs> they've now said they've now said banged his head on the on the door or something. Mm. Classic. Yeah. Well, coded language. I, 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 there's no point wasting because that'll be talked to death. I was I was even more intrigued by Klopp uh, in terms of manager reactions after the Everton game and just the way that he um, reacted in a, in the emotional way that you would expect him to, but also in a way that kind of I think he apologised for it, but in a way that he was very dismissive of the journalists yeah. in a way that was you know a slightly disrespectful. Did you, you know what was your take on that guy? I, I, that's a classic case of, case of when managers snap. I, I think that <laughs> yeah, that's, the straw that breaks the camel. Yeah, like, it's you know, the, the, the penalty that breaks the camel's back. Yeah, you, you have the game, and suddenly you realise you've got your media commitments. These are the last people you want to see because you know the questions they're going to ask because you've realised that you're the one who messed it up. Yeah, there's absolutely no way that they should have not won that game. No, well, this and, is it. That's is it. So but, he's coming with like a defiant uh, readiness, and he's he's just foolishly played out. You know, the narrative he's probably creating in his head. And um, no, actually, I, I think of all the things this weekend, it was the worst thing. It was completely, uh, you know, sort of mean and. Yeah, it and was wrong as well because, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it was his fault they lost. Big you know, Sam well, was well, just big Sam passing, and the big but... Samest ever, you know, Sam just kind of enjoying that moment. Oh, yeah. In the classic, you know, in the only way that, not schadenfreude, it's just he feeds off other people's despair, you know, the kind of, I will, I will prove you wrong you and I'll do it like by a, feeding off you he seems like a footballing dementor <laughs> just, yeah, just sucking the good will yeah. out of football I mean and feeding he's, on it yeah and he's fed on a lot of goodwill out of football so. um, uh, but the, let's look at that because we're in the midst of these fixtures at the minute and Liverpool playing tonight and he's going to revert he's going to have to play his full strength team just out of principle I mean you would expect and that perhaps was his oversight going into Everton and showing any lack of respect for a derby match yeah I mean, I th- I can I can believe it when I saw the team. Just, I can't believe you've just won seven nil. You know, Coutinho could have been taken off at any point in that game. You know, to rest him for Everson, it made literally no sense. I don't I don't know what he was thinking because I mean, Salah played a fairly long you know, time. As in soon that as it was game. four or five nil, those those guys should have been off. They should have been playing. Yeah. And and I mean, in a sense, you know, it's one of those things that that managers say. You know, there's only so much you can do once they've gone white line over the white line. I think that's 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 right to some extent because 
Liverpool should have been four or five nil up. That yeah, wasn't really Klopp's fault that they weren't. You know, Mane should have passed just before half time and they had an Absolutely. open goal. It was a really yeah. selfish act that he And it's, un- it's uncharacteristic didn't. of him, I think. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those unusual. ones where he, I think, that, you know, when the, when times are good and it was like kind of, oh, we're, we're on a roll, yeah. we're going to get more chances. It's like, well, do you know what? Things change exactly. very quickly, you know? You can do that at sort of 3 0, but not at, not at 1 0. Yeah. And, and um, you know, maybe it was still the high of, of his volley a few nights before and, you know, winning 7 0 and everything. But you still think Coutinho should have been on there earlier and, and, he, and then he took Salah off. It was, it was, yeah, even at the time you went, if it was 2-0, okay, absolutely yeah. fine. And it wasn't, it was 1-0. And it, even at the time it felt ominous. It was like watching a movie with a bit coming. of foreboding, was, yeah. you know. Oh, he's going to take <laughs> off his best player. He's so confident. I you mean, the, the takeaway I have most, going back to Klopp, is I think the thing I like is no matter how chirpy or cheerful or positive a manager is the Premier League will eventually bring out oh, the darkness in all managers absolutely it reveals you doesn't it um, and, and there was another one actually um, yesterday with yeah. uh, Mark Hughes who uh, basically turned around and claimed that Burnley constantly get lucky um, <laughs> yeah. he might be fourth in the league that's yeah. like oh, lucky they I are. mean I'm paraphrasing but he basically said they keep trying, they keep trying, and eventually something breaks and it goes in. And that's, like, I'm sure that's football. Yeah, that's yeah it's like, well, that seems to be really well. Let's let's touch on what, this. You, do, what you don't want from your football team is to is, is for them to keep trying. Yeah, I mean, it's oh, terrible, imagine, terrible, imagine terrible. that. Yeah. Well, let's uh, you know, let's leave the leave the top six, and we'll we'll take a break now. But we'll we'll touch on those teams that are getting lucky uh, after the break. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. Okay, so uh, just coming back to that point about the the teams that are in positions where perhaps people don't expect them to be, but also, uh, again, we're in the middle of the fixture, so it might not be ringing true after tonight, but um, Burnley in fourth position. Sean Dyche doing an incredible job there. Um, I went to watch Palace last night and see Roy Hodgson pull it back against what's a, a very good Watford team. But the way that Sean Dyche is doing things that kind of, when they get that goal, they defend it. You know, the, the, he seems to be able to get the results across the line. Whereas, yeah, the comparison for me was watching Palace and seeing them, you know, capitalise on mistakes from other teams. But I think that Burnley seem to be eliminating a lot of those things. And that perhaps is the reason why he's doing well. I mean, what, what have you thought of Burnley this season, Gareth? Um I think they've been very good, but the, the the biggest thing they've done is obviously picking up points away. Last year, it was on it was the final or penultimate game of the season where they won their their first first match. And this year, they're you know in the away form table, they're fifth. Um, you know they've won four, uh, drawn two, and lost two, which is basically comparable with every other team apart from Chelsea, mm. um, who seem to have phenomenal away form. But so that's fundamentally the main thing they've maintained the the home form. You know. Uh, Turf Moor is still incredibly yeah. tough place to go. Have then. you been to Turf Moor? I've been never there? been. I'm too scared. Dan? Yeah, I went I went many years ago. I saw Maidstone United. Lose 2-1. Hardcore. Lybird Henry scored for Maidstone. Oh, yeah, you yeah. Were, you went to Maidstone v Burnley. Why yeah, did. talk me through that? Well, well I, I, I grew up a Maidstone United fan. Ah, right, right. Yeah, right it's right. my hometown team. And then they collapsed in 92. I'm QPR kind of my second team. Yeah. 
And uh, so QPR then sort of became my first team. And now Maidstone are sort of are back, you know, well, back, back to where they were when I started watching them. And famously, they're so. the, the ones that kind of pioneered the artificial pitch. They got an artificial pitch? They, yeah, they have now, yeah, yeah. So and because I think, uh, the, yeah, yeah. They're, they're the ones that, you know, because you can play on the FA Cup on that, but I mm-hmm. think the, the conference were kind of resisting that. Yeah, basically conference meant, back down. I think the conference had to because it meant that if you allow it in the conference, if you get promoted from the conference on one of those pitches, then how could you turn down that in the league? You know, yeah, which is I mean, interesting. Well, it's difficult for the conference and football league to say no to artificial pitches when they're being played in World Cup games. And, and Scotland, and, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and yeah. Euro, and, and is it one of those fancy uh, sort of 5G pitches? Yeah, yeah. yeah. With roaming and data add-ons? <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah it's one of the, I've heard the about those. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it, so it's like that sort of synthetic mesh of grass and... Oh, no, no, no. I think it's, no, I think it's proper... Um, it's it's full artificial. Oh, it's, it's not like, like a yeah. US American football pitches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's 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 the same as uh, there was quite a few team points. Sutton played in one against you know. Yeah, there's a few of them flying around the world in the yeah. FA Cup. This makes year. makes total sense for non-league clubs, yeah. you know, because they Fine. they use they use that pitch every single yep. day for. But also far removed from the the Oldham plastic pitches and, Q- and the QPR knee yeah, burns yeah. Well, and, exactly. Well, let's. Uh, I mean, in tip, well, we'll back to turf more. Mm. Uh, not yeah, I think it's a bit different since I went. That was quite a long time ago. Yeah, now. well, I'm sure Burnley but, as a place uh, might be. Yeah, it was pretty similar because it still seems like Hobart's territory. When I was, yeah. I, I played, I played a couple of games in like Clitheroe, and then uh, it's some really interesting games in the kind of tail end mm. of my career in that rural Lancashire. Yeah. and uh, it was yeah, it was an eye opener. Yeah, it was it was interesting, but um, but obviously if you can make that into a fortress or you can make that into a, a very defendable place to play home games because no one really gets much out of them there. No. Um, no. But I, I, can it continue? That's the thing for him. I mean, it's I like, think, a, you know, it, that's the ceiling. Is it, is it, is it him? They're not going to come, they're not going to come fourth. They're not going to do any sort of Leicester, but you know, they've got, what is it? I think it's 31 points now that, you know, they're not going down. There's no well, way they're going to go down. Yeah. So they've got a real chance of mate. Maybe away for cut place or something. Yeah, like that. I mean, that's phenomenal. That seventh is probably their 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 expectation now. Yeah. Um, without you know saying there's no chance they can break the top six, it would be very very hard over the course of the season. But if you look at the you know the teams from seven below, if you if you count out those big six, they're as good as any of those. Yeah. yeah. And they should probably finish above most of them. Yeah. But that's well, this is the thing: the boom bust of seven down. So anything anything from under the seventh position or seven down you're in this perennial cycle of if you're at the bottom of the league do you know what we'll just change the manager we'll, get, we'll put some money in we'll pump it and then we'll just come back up mm. and then the guys that were sitting pretty before are just going to fade and they're going to get dragged into it yeah. it's it seems to be that that's the cycle um well it's, and- it's an interesting thing i think that that now i think there's only about six you know maybe six maybe seven clubs that are safe in the premier league sort of pretty much forever but everybody else at some point will go down you know Burnley are going to have a great you know they have a great time hopefully you know I I like Burnley and I really like Sean Dyche he's a brilliant manager at some point in the next 10-20 years they'll get relegated again they're just not big enough you know because Sean Dyche will probably move on and, and then, it doesn't take much for Ross to set in, it, for you know, a exactly. couple of defeats, only and then takes, you can. F- yeah, it only takes one or two bad yeah. managerial decisions. I mean, look at Swansea. You know, not long ago, we were everyone was talking about how brilliant 
the Swansea's, the modern club, how well run they were, how when they picked managers, they were going, right, this mm. is the way we play. Who's the manager that plays in this style? Who yeah. will take us forward? And they made great appointment after great appointment. Yep. And then the last couple it started, started to go wrong and they're probably going to go down. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It, it, it's cyclical for all those clubs. It's cyclical yep. for, you know, and uh, for, for championship clubs. There's, there's loads of those like Sheffield Wednesday and Sheffield United and Leeds and Fulham and, and probably not QPR. They're, they're all going to come back up at some point in the next 20 years and then probably go back, back down again. Yeah. So it's really hard for any, anyone below that top six, I think. And hard for the fans to accept that it's not going to last. But, that, but it won't. It but, really won't. You know, but that's, pa- Palace yeah. will go down soon. Well, that's what I was going to say. Back so up. It comes down to, do you believe that the manager's doing the best that they can with what they have? And there's a realism about what your expectations. So um, I was speaking to Dan before this about the, I went to watch Palace last night and just seeing, being in that that ground and knowing kind of the, the momentum and the, atmosphere that they created a couple of years ago where people were like going we don't want to play Palace away you don't want to go there and you I watched Watford tear them to shreds in the first 20 minutes last night and it just made me go yeah this isn't what it used to be and also Roy Hodgson's just kind of inherited this you know thing as soon as they got a sniff of back getting back in that game and to win that game was an amazing achievement and it came down to some brilliant moments from you know Zaha and um, you know, and and to be fair, a large part of the team. But the, for those moments and for that kind of atmosphere, it felt like a great place to go and watch football again. It, it, you know, and it made me realise, you know, watching on the TV and just seeing things play out. It's you know, being there, the visceral experience of going to a game is still, you know, it's, it's something that none, you know, not all of us had the opportunity to do. But it's really important that um, that those kind of clubs exist, you know. So and then to build that atmosphere. So I, you know. Without- well, with all the with all the shit of of modern football, and there's a lot of it, you still can't replace the feeling of a last minute winner. Like yeah. a last minute winner is still the best it really thing. Is. It doesn't matter when yeah. it comes, who it happens to, you still go mental, and 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 you forget all the the nonsense surrounding the game about you know the fact that you've slogged for eight nine minutes has been awful yeah exactly but we don't yeah. deserve it and, and the undeservingness of yeah. like how some oh the undeservingness for the last minute winner glorious. is the finest thing in football it yeah. really is um, but specifically on Palace and it you know it pains me to say it as a supporter of another London team but it's what I think it's one of the last great genuine football experiences from you know before uh, stadiums were reshaped and they served a slightly different purpose in yeah. terms of fan comfort and convenience that's a, that's and, a great point yeah. um, I mean I live uh, 10 minutes walk from Sellers Park and uh, I go every so often and it's you know they have the old corrugated tin roofs and mm. when the crowd are on song you know it really echoes around and yeah, yeah. Um, you can see yeah it's, it's it's probably now a daunting place to go I, I think 20 years ago it was probably comparable with a lot of stadiums but where it stayed put almost in time so I think you probably have a lot of players who, who go there and they may not really experience um, you know, a stadium like that and a fan base like that when they're on song. And um, I, think, I think Hodgson will, will keep them up. I think he'll... Yeah, I've got a soft spot for him. Yeah, I do too. I, 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 think, think, a very, I think Palace, you know, I, I read, you know, there's a lot of QPR fans hate Palace. I've, you know, I want nothing particularly against Palace. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of stuff said about their ultras. But I, 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 I don't... I don't... <laughs> Sorry, was that air quotes? <laughs> yeah, I, but I don't... I don't get the sneering towards a group of fans 
that just want to stand there and sing yeah. and be positive. Like, I, I don't I don't understand it. Like, what is so bad about that? Like, oh, God. It's people, setting themselves, like, it's people setting themselves outside. They're not, it's almost like kind of self-appointedness. That, yeah, that, I, that's I know the, that, that's the anger. I've, I've been to Palace and it's been a dead stadium sometimes and then they start and they and they help yeah. to build something. And you go, yeah. what's wrong with that? I yeah. think it's good. It's a good thing. You're a rational When they go down to you're Brian and they're all man. dressed in black and that was all a bit weird. <laughs> Although, but, I, I've, I've got to say, I, I think the people setting the bar quite low these days on the definition of an ultra. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> This oh, is definitely a reflection yeah. of where we are in, the, yes. in, in, in this world. Oh, um, yeah. And the, the MLS version of it is even more... Uh, I, the, I mean, that's fantastic. A lovely kind of... <laughs> carefree assimilation when who was it nyfc and um uh red bull new york red bulls yes. had a pre-arranged uh, meeting point under bridge to have a fight because they felt that's just what they should do. yeah oh did they <laughs> and, and then and it was handbags literally. and i think it was kind of a slightly west side story <laughs> pantomime yeah. for kind of like shall we start then right yeah. you you start the fight <laughs> yeah. fight too and apparently it was broken up fairly quickly by yeah. uh New York's finest, but uh, yeah. But then, I mean, we laugh about it. I'd probably much rather see that than some of the the you know, more hardcore altering yep. that you see around. Well, Europe. let's let's move. I, I, let's let's make the last point we chat about our, uh, the expectations for the rest of the season and the fact that the Champions League draw has just been announced, which has a big implication for kind of the way that the, the Premier League pans out, just because the. The teams that are involved have so much at stake that they're invested in that, which is obviously to cost other teams over the years, such as Leicester and Chelsea when they weren't playing in it. So um, from a Spurs perspective, Gareth, uh, what are the expectations this year? Would you say your focus is on the Champions League rather than the, the league? Uh, I think it's two-part. I think they've got much choice, have they? No, it's it's oi, oi. it's a it's a transitional season. I think you know, with waiting to move into new ground. So if we can requalify for the Champions League, and if uh, if there can be some progress this year as well, but I think I think they would want quarterfinals, get past Juventus, yeah, that's what I was going progress to say. into the competition. You say some progress. I, Juventus feel beatables, particularly for yes. Tottenham this got, year. Which is a worrying thing. You must have a tiny hope. You might could win it this year. Well, this is horrifying thing as a Spurs fan. You're because not used you're to it. Brilliant you just in the Champions League. We'll, yes. No, but just generally, it used to be like, well, we'll mess it up somehow. Yeah. And now there's this strange sense of, no, we are quite good. Like, you know, we, we're probably an equal match for, for Juventus as it stands. Well, you, you clearly are. You've, you've like beaten Real Madrid. Yeah. You know? But don't forget, this is you a team... you beat them, you can beat anybody. It's a team who made two finals in the last three years, was it? Yeah, no, they, don't, they know what they're doing. They know they're what they're doing. Decide. They've obviously lost some of their better players. It's not a great draw. It's, the, the draw is a horrible thing as it is. Though. I mean, if you're any of those teams, if, you're, if your league is invested, or, or your season is invested in the Champions League, I mean, PSG, Real Madrid... Yep. It's insane. Yeah. Yep. It's insane. Because they go through the group stages. Great fun, though. Yeah, great for us. Yep. Absolutely great for yeah. neutral. Um uh, but there's some interesting ties. I mean, uh, um, you know, Liverpool FC Portal. I mean I, 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 there's there's a chance for them. Sevilla Man United, you would you would expect Man United to, I mean if if well, Jose Liverpool can drag himself through. Yeah, Sevilla canny. Well Sevilla are very so, canny. I mean yeah. well yeah. But not the team that necessarily they were last year no. after but but you know. I the, feel f- the, the I feel, cavalier. I tell you, I feel sorry for us, Besiktas. 
who've had yeah. like an incredible group <laughs> qualification. You top your group. Top my group. Yes. <laughs> Here we go. Come on, lads. Who have we got? Bayern Munich. The most, <laughs> also the most professional team, the one that you're least likely for them to slip up. Yeah. You know, if it was even mm. PSG, you'd be like, they could, sniff, they could yeah, completely exactly, yeah. mess up. Yeah, You're like, the like one team who just Munich. aren't going to get it wrong. And, 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 literally and could not have been worse. And a it. nod to, um, it seems we're coming to the end of the year, and this might be my last podcast before the, the end of the year. Besiktas' uh, social media campaign is without a doubt the standout thing for me this year. Do you remember oh, really? the one where the players would ring each other up? They go, yes, with the Come, I'm coming to hey, Besiktas. And they would, car- they would turn it into a cartoon. And uh, well, yeah, you, uh, anyone who's listening, you have to go and check out this signing policy but it would all also be whoever's I'm going to Besiktas come to Besiktas and the other player would come and they would do like a little animation was and, it uh, Charisma Charisma it was one of the ones uh, it wasn't um, who was that there was, a, there was a notable Premier League player yep and I can't remember who it was, and which is not useful for this, but go and check out the social media campaign of 2017. It was phenomenal. And it's, and it's naffness and it's genius at the same time. Uh, the one thing I would add uh, for the Champions League, the toughest one for the English team is beyond Barcelona being Barcelona. Is it's quite funny at Chelsea. Chelsea are the only team yeah. who have to play the second leg away. Uh-huh. And mm. having to go to Barcelona just seems like a very daunting way to mm. have to qualify, regardless of how well you've done oh, in God, the first Chelsea leg. Barcelona brings back great memories. Wonderful the memories. Last minute winner does. Drogba <laughs> flip flops, losing his mind, <laughs> and punch, that's punch the ceiling. Listen, I think this is a good point. Two London supporting guys on. It. Let's 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 keep it agnostic, guys. It's, it is <laughs> Christmas. Uh, thanks very much for your time tonight, Gaff. Have you got anything coming up uh, for your artists and, and, and whatnot over the, the, the festive period? Yes, yeah, it's, it's still pretty busy going to Christmas. We've got uh, one of our bands, Cloud Nothings, is playing a show tonight. And then uh, we're all actually off up to Glasgow to see uh, Ride, Ride yes. uh, playing with Mogwai at the uh, oh, wow. uh, SECC Hydra, which is the massive arena up there. So. That's a pretty good Christmas party. That uh, raid with one of my highlights of Glastonbury, without a doubt, they're phenomenal. A hark back to the my youth. Oh yes, um, uh, Dan. And what are you up to yourself at the minute? I'm uh, well. I'm writing a book with my friend John Smith at very popular name on I Twitter. Love to. Uh, by the way, I, the rumblings that I have heard about this book that I am. I'm, Going yeah. to enjoy it very yeah. greatly. I think it's going to be good. It's out next uh, next uh, next September. I You're think. still not ready to give us a hint. About it's going to be called "Booked: The Gospel According to Our Footballer Heroes." It's Amazing. kind of a digest of footballer autobiographies. We've yes. read 130 between us. That's wow. Uh, can you give us just some insight into uh, some highlights and uh, or, or wow. unexpected highlights? Just give me just give us a couple of okay. uh, e- either titles today? of them or. The player that There's a couple of great titles. Um, one of my favourites is um, is uh, Mick Duxbury's book, which is called <laughs> which is called It's Mick, Not Mike, right? And you think you think, oh right, he must be quite annoyed that his nickname that people called him Mike throughout his whole career. You know, Brian Moore called him Mike a lot, and whenever other Man United players refer to him, they often call him Mike. That's the only reference in the entire book. Maybe. About the thing, doesn't so ever need. explain it. So you need just just the title. It's Mick, not Mike. Brilliant. <laughs> I, I, that is I love my that. Fight. So, and actually, it's not the most interesting book in the world. But Mick Dusbury seems to be a really lovely, yeah, lovely guy. Is that the old, if you're a Man United fan, you just want a nice read of a, about a nice man. Yeah, just a, just the MOR pro that kind of went about his business. Yeah, 
Just, yeah. just really nice and guy. Salacious. Didn't, didn't do any. Didn't do any. The no. most salacious one no. that you've oh, read. Well, then the most salacious ones are Mick Quinn, which is absolutely filthy. <laughs> um, uh, he, t- he tells a story about. Uh, he starts it off and he goes, "Me and Alan Ball went out drinking one night, and then uh, then he kind of just diverges and he goes anyway, and he kind of writes Alan Ball out of it, and he goes, and a, and a mate." and me met a mother and daughter we went back to her house and Alan Ball sort of written out of it and I obviously, for legal reasons for legal reasons obviously I can't say I'm sure it wasn't Alan Ball but the way he writes it it makes it feel like it might have been it was sure it wasn't uh, and they go back to the, uh, the mother and daughter's house mm. and Mick Quinn makes you very clear that he's with the younger woman from the from the start but then he abandons that halfway through and he says anyway halfway through we thought yeah let's just swap over so they swap over and while mick quinn's with the mother the the, unnamed world cup winner yeah exactly and yeah uh the uh husband of the mother comes home and there's a story about how they they leg it out the back and run across some sort of garden fences to escape is mick quinn and roy mcdonough if anyone remembers roy mcdonough who played for south end there were some incredible, and I did play oh. for West Ham for a bit as well. Incredible revelations in that book to do with his moustache. I I think we could do a whole a show, and I hope that we do do a whole show a on the stories. Show, Without yeah. a doubt, this sounds phenomenal. Yeah. You should have your own podcast after. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Frank, I, I think my favourite title is Frank Worthington's uh, One Humper Two. Yes, uh, yeah, that that's, is. Frank Worthington's also quite <laughs> filthy book. Yeah, yeah. There's some footballers that are just like sort of think. You want to hear about the football, don't you? But you also want to hear about every shag I've yeah. ever had. Well, let's leave no. it there, guys. <laughs> and, uh, I think that's Merry a Christmas. perfect time. Merry Christmas to you all. I think Stuart will be back next week. But uh, thanks to Gareth and thanks to Dan. It was great chatting to you. Thank Cheers, you. guys. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Ladbrokes. If you're a large organisation involved in managing, purchasing or making decisions on software licences, you need Livingston. Livingston provides the technology and a large team of experts to help you understand what software is installed on your network, who is using it and whether you purchase the right number of software licences to legally use it. This information can help you make smart business decisions when it comes to renegotiating software licensing agreements with large software publishers like Microsoft, Oracle, IBM and others, and when budgeting for software spend. To reduce the cost and risk of managing your software licenses, speak to Livingston today about our managed services. Over 50 multinationals across the world trust Livingston to manage their software licenses. Visit livingston-tech.com for more information. What's your thoughts on Fulham? Chances are you don't think about them too much, but nice away day by the river, used to have a Michael Jackson statue, and once did quite well under Roy Hodgson. But that's probably about it, because chances are you're not a Fulham fan. However, if you do know someone that supports Fulham, maybe a mate or a colleague at work, please tell them about the Fulhamish podcast that I host every week looking at each Fulham game as it comes and goes, with a nice bit of quirkiness and humour along the way too. You can find Fulhamish at fulhamish.co.uk and we're also available on all podcast platforms including iTunes, Acast and playbackmedia.co.uk. That's Fulhamish, your weekly independent Fulham FC podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. 
Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast.